Western world, we know that, that when we talk about the heart, most of us think about this physical organ on the what, left side of our chest that pumps blood through the rest of our body. And yet when Scripture talks about heart, Scripture doesn't limit itself to just a physical representation or a physical part of our physical body. And remember we talked about last week about the Bible. And the Bible we look at contextually. And so sometimes when we face this piece of this, this book, we, we look at it from Western worldview. And yet to understand what God means when he talks about our heart, we have to take it from a less Western, more Eastern worldview. And the Eastern world would tell you that the heart represents the center of everything that we are. The heart is our intellect. The heart is our emotions. The heart is our moral compass. The heart is our conscious, if you will. And so for people of God, when we, when we talk about okay, what do we do with our hearts, it's, it's vital that we understand that, that it is such an important thing to protect, to guard, to grow. The psalmist writes, you know, take delight in the Lord and he will give you the desires of your heart. Jesus said, blessed are the pure in heart for they all see God. Matthew again, he says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, and mind. And, and the psalmist in 139, it says, search me, O God, and know my, my heart. Try me and, and know my thoughts. So while caring for our physical body is important, let me just say that out loud. Right, so there's a lot of people we, we, we change our diets, we take pills, we, we look at our blood pressure, and we, we protect this thing. But this morning, it's not about this thing. It's about who we are, and, and we talk about who we are because our hearts either allow us to engage God or keep us far from God. The state of our hearts either draws closer to Him or keep us and push us further away from Him. And we're going to talk about what it is to have a, a broken heart. And so I want us to watch a very, very serious clip. And so it's about a minute and a half. And, and just hang with me. Ryan, can you cue that baby up? We'll watch it. Mama is no, it's not. Yes, it is. No, you're pretty. And you're not real. I'm real. Rops, Rops, we're going to go out there and see. I'm not going to see Rops, you anymore. Rops, Rops is not going to see. Rops, we're going to go out there and walk. And it's just raining. Because it's raining. No, it's not. It's just raining. It gets raining. Ow! It gets raining. It's okay. It's raining. You broke my heart. It's okay. You broke my heart. Turn around and then I'm going to gonna get honey. And me and I'm in the hotel. Okay. You broke my heart. Turn around and... Sad, huh? I know. I showed that to my wife because she always pokes my heart, and I wanted her to, to understand the pain that she caused me. How many people know that that's not true? Nice. I got the majority vote on that one. 
But when we talk about, about hearts and we talk about broken hearts, we think about like the little boy, right? We think about somebody that hurt our feelings. For those of you that are, are, are dating, there's nothing worse than like a broken heart. You, you risk entering into a relationship with someone and someone lets you down or doesn't honor a request or, or something. It's like, oh, my heart was broke. And you get around friends and they hug you and they feel bad for you. And, oh, right? It's the same noise that you made with that. Oh, they poked my heart. <laughs> poked my heart. And we, we weep and we, we kind of huddle together and and yet this morning's message is not even about relational conflict. It's not about risking our emotional well-being entering into relationship. It's about broken-heartedness, a contrite spirit towards God. And, and when we talk about that from a pastoral perspective, in fact, I was going over it this morning going, man, I could make a lot of people nervous right now. Because you're talking about basically really traditional Christianity that talks about repentance and brokenheartedness, and you're like, oh, it's going to get all legalistic here. Going to get all tripped out. Dave's going to be messing with us. He's going to give us the top five things that we do wrong. We're going to ask that you stand up and publicly repent. And if you're visiting here, you're probably looking at the person dragging you here and went, Oh, man, I wonder if I could get away with punching them right now. <coughs> would Dave see? I would see. But don't let that stop you. <laughs> Just kind of do it quiet. But brokenness is, is an integral part of, of our faith walk with Christ. Being able to be honest and transparent and... And, and, and go before God is, is an integral part of us growing closer to Him. And, and when we talk about brokenness, we, we don't talk about traditional Christianity or we don't talk about a ritualistic m method in which we, we go before God. We talk about a relational imperative. But how we, how we interact with God and how we interact with our Savior. And, and so when we, we, we talk about this subject, it's, it's somewhat serious and, 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 and difficult to wrestle with because a lot of our messages and a lot of my messages are like, oh man, this is going to be awesome. And, and, you know, God has a great plan for you and God's going to do all these great things. And my introduction today is, he poked me in my heart. And like, what is wrong with Dave today? But the thing that I want to challenge you with is to lay aside your preconceptions of where this conversation, where this sermon is going to go, and go, God, what do you have for me here? And we're going to look at a man that was defined by, by God, by a man after his own heart. A, a man that, that led a nation, a man that, that wrote beautiful songs. In fact, half of the psalms or more are written by, by David, and yet we watch this man and how he interacted with God, and how he was close to God, was not because of his perfect living style. But his ability to interact with God was based on his ability to come to God in the midst of his brokenness, which is translated sin, and not allow that to stop him from interacting with him. 
And, and so when we talk about this subject, it's, it is so vital to our pursuit of discovering our purpose, of why God made us. When we talk about why God made us, there's things that either open up opportunities or put obstacles in our way. The single most thing that stops us from interacting with God, of pursuing this destiny that God has laid before us, this, this purpose that for good and not for evil, this future and a hope, that future, that purpose that we all have been created for, is there stuff in our hearts that we, we hide and we, we keep from God, like, like somehow He doesn't know about everything? Brokenness is defined in God's eyes as to be broken, crushed, and torn in spirit over sin. It's to be broken, crushed, or torn in spirit over sin. And by sin, I mean living in such a way that is not right in the sight of God. It's a simple, simple definition. But man, that's a nervous definition. Living in such a way that is not right before God. Like, oh. And, and if you're like me, it's like, well, give me the five things that's going to get in the way. Don't, don't, don't give me ten, because ten I can't limit, but give me the top five. Give me the top five things I should stop doing. You know, don't drink, don't cuss, don't this, don't that. And yet... That's not this. Sin is anything that the Holy Spirit convicts us of as believers in Jesus Christ that convict us and say, man, that's not what God wants for you. Sin is not all the fun stuff in the world that when we accept Christ, God takes away because He's this ogre that keeps us from fun. No, sin is the things that keep us from Him to enjoy the life that He has for us. And yet, like anybody, there are temptations that we are drawn to, things that we engage in, addictions that we keep coming back to, words that we continue to say, things that we always look at that capture us and handcuff us and wrap us in chains. And yet God, in His mercy, not look at those things to condemn us, but looks at those things and like, okay, we got to get you free of those things. And the way to get free of those things is a broken heart. So if you have your Bibles, turn with me to Psalm 51. Can I, I'm going to get up on a, on a, this is not really in my notes, but I'll get up on my high horse here for a second. We hear a sermon like this about sin. There's a tendency in church world to lay this paradigm and slam it on the world. Right? We, we lay this set of instructions that we have been asked to follow because we have accepted Christ as our Savior, that Jesus lives in our heart, that we have the indwelling of the Holy Spirit, and we're like, okay, live this way. Live a life that is pleasing to God. And then we take it and we go, they're not doing it. Okay, so again, this is not about them versus us. This is not about the non-Christian that is not adhering to a set of rules and regulations. This is about us as believers in Jesus Christ and what He has for us and what God the Father wants for His kids. Does that make sense? So before we start doing this, just don't. 
Because that's not what this is about. This is about God wanting to have an intimate relationship with his kids and then having wanting us to deal with our stuff so that nothing gets in the way with that relationship. Brokenness. So Psalms 51 was written by King David. King David was the guy that killed Goliath. King David was the shepherd that was picked by Samuel and by God to lead a nation after Saul. King David was the guy that played the harp and calmed down the wackiness of Saul. King David was also human, and he, when he messed up, man, he messed up epically. As good as the things he did, he just jacked up in ways that you're like, wow, dude, you make me actually feel good about myself. So David was sitting at home out on a balcony, sees a beautiful woman, and in the time and the culture and the context of that time, because he was king, he's like, I want her. Sent people to get her, ended up sleeping with her, found out that she happened to be married, but that didn't stop the guy because, well, he's the king. He can have anything that he wants. Sleeps with her, finds out who he's married to, happens to be a guy in his army that is fighting a war for him. He looks at her like, well, this isn't going to work. I mean, I like Bathsheba. The problem is he's, she's married to this dude. Let's kill that guy. So he sends word to the army. He says, put him on the front lines. And when he's on the front lines and the enemy advances, step back, let him die. So not only does he have an affair with a married woman, he kills the husband because of her. Or because of her, his wants, not because of her. That's a totally unfair statement. Because of his wants. Because of his sinfulness. Nathan comes and tells him a story about a guy taking a single lamb. David is convicted of his sin and he writes Psalm 51 in the context of acknowledging of his own sinfulness, of his own wrongdoing, of his humanity, of his brokenness. King David, man after God's own heart, messed up royally. Rest up royally, and yet he gives us an example of what a man does in the midst of God, in the midst of failure. When you read the verse, and I'd encourage you to read it this week, it's like, God, forgive me. Against you and only you have I sinned. And if you really ponder that verse, it on first blush, it makes no sense because, well, you didn't sin. You killed that guy and you slept with her and you, you, you made her pregnant. You, you did a whole lot more wrong than against God. And yet, this is what I believe about sin. Sin starts and stops with God. When I live and when I live in a sense of brokenness and I, 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 I live apart from the life that God wants for me, it's really about my relationship with Him. The further I do and the things that I do that are crazy and apart from him, not only push me away from him, but push me away from the people that I love and allow me to do wrong to the people that I love. And so when I sin, the wrong that I do, the sin that I do is not just about the person that I'm involved with, but about the God that I am distancing myself from. Because in the distancing myself from, I also distance myself from the people that love me, that need me, that want me, and the purpose that God has created me for. Amen. 
You see, David's issue was he should have been doing something else, but he found himself chilling on his balcony. And in that, he became this snowball effect of choices. And we can say, well, I'd never do what David did. This is my convinced argument of humanity. For anybody that says, I would never do something. You are one look and one choice away from just going in a ditch. That's it. All that you've got to do is look at something and then decide to act on that, and then it never stops until you bail. So before we hold ourselves back, and like, well, at least I'm not him. Scripture's clear, and it tells us that all have sinned and fallen short of His glory. That, that we want to put a hierarchy of wrong, but everything that pulls us away from God is wrong, and that's a period statement. It's not a parentheses with a footnote. Right? You can't source that one. Well, not these three things. Anything that we do that pulls us apart and distance ourselves from God is sin. So David goes through this thing and he, and he makes all these poor choices and then he does something that is audacious to me. He goes to God with all of it. And he writes in verse 16 and 17, For you do not delight in sacrifice, or I would give it. You will not be pleased with a burnt offering. The sacrifices of God are a broken spirit, a broken and contrite heart, O God, you do not despise. Verse 16 again, You do not delight in sacrifice. For the Jews, there was a set of rituals that would get them out of jail. It was like playing Monopoly and getting the get-out-of-jail-free card. And where it was set up to interact with God, it became a ritual in which people could buy something and, and offer a sacrifice, a physical sacrifice, for them to be clean. Right? It's like wiping, wiping the slate clean, and yet God goes, that's not what I ever intended. That is not what I want. I don't look for a, a magic prayer or a, a set of regulations to do. What I look for is an attitude and a heart that comes to me broken. And, and, the, and, and, I, and, and a sacrifice of my own life and my own well-being when I go before God in the midst of all my junk. You see, a sacrifice means a destruction or surrender of something for the sake of something else. God desires us as honest human beings to be broken. A broken and contrite heart. God desires us to have and live a life of repentance. A repentance is going before God in, in honesty. Going before God with all of our stuff so that we don't have to carry it around anymore. You see, God doesn't tell us to do something to make us feel bad about what we're, we're, we're living. God tells us to do something to set us free from the guilt and shame that is our lives. If you're like me and you live in and you've ever lived in secret and you have these things in the closet that supposedly no one knows about and you you go out in public persona and you live a certain way but then you then you have an entire other life of secret and sin and addiction it destroys you because of the weight that it puts on on you and and, and when God says come to me 
When Jesus says, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden and I will give you rest, it's not just the weight that this world offers. It's the weight that sin places on us. It's the, it's the burden of not living like, like God wants us to. Because when we live apart from what God desires from us, man, life's tough. We can kid ourselves every once in a while. I mean, we can, we can hit, like if you and I were just talking, I wasn't being taped and I wasn't a pastor now, and we were just talking, I would say something like, you know, you can pretend to like go and escape. You can hit Vegas every once in a while and you can just kind of, oh, it's just a weekend. You can get in a relationship or you can hook up on a weekend. Just say, just, just a choice. It's just nothing. Chill out. It's not, it's not that big of a deal. And yet those things begin to add up. And where I was close and I was asking God, those things begin to distance myself. And, and, and the weight that allowed me to stand up straight when I wasn't carrying anything burdens me down. And, and I become hunched over. So I, I can't even see ahead. I can only see the immediate step next. And the immediate step next is just another trap that the enemy lays. And so God says, you know, you're not going to live that way. That's why I value a broken and contrite heart. It's not to convict you. Or it's not to condemn you. It's not to make you feel worse than you already are. It's to set you free from the junk that, 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 that owns you. And, and repentance, the idea of, of not only acknowledging sin, but then turning away from it, requires humility. Man, it's hard to admit you mess up. Anybody? I hate that about my relationship with God. Like, I, I, the, the one thing that I don't like is to have to go to God in, in prayer in a relationship, whether I'm driving to Denver for a meeting or whether I'm sitting in my office and go, dude, I, I know. And yeah, every once in a while I call God, dude. But it's like, God, I know that this is not what you have for me. I'm sorry. Jesus tells us that blessed is the poor in spirit, for theirs is the, the kingdom of, of heaven. Being able to, to repent before God requires personal responsibility. We live in a world that's victimized. Right? We live in a world that I'm the victim. I'm a victim of my upbringing. I'm a victim of my society. I'm a victim of my friends. I'm a victim of two-for-one beers. I'm a victim. If it wasn't for sale, I wouldn't have got drunk. I know that's way too real, huh? That's way too real for a Sunday morning. Okay, for those of you that are offended, just scrub that. Just pretend that that never was said. But... It requires a, a level of personal responsibility. It's like, I made that choice. I made it. Not my friends, not my spouse, not my culture, not my world. I made it. You see, we, we cover up wrongdoing by blaming and base it on fear. Well, if I don't, they're going to leave me. Oh. 
if I don't make this choice or party this way or do these things, then, then I'll end up alone all my life. What a great ploy that the enemy has is to convince single young people that they have to live away because God has nothing for them than the dirt ball that's dragging them into the ditch they're already in. And that's a male and female thing. But you do not have to make choices that compromise your relationship with Christ because God has something more for you anyways. So not only does it require humility and it requires a personal sense of, of, of ownership, it requires trust in God himself. You see, if, if I tell you to go before God and you're not convinced that he's not just going to torch you, and why would you go before God? Right? If, if God was a God that condemns, which the Word says, John says, that He did not come into the world to condemn the world, but that the world through Him might be saved. If I don't have that worldview, if I don't have that paradigm of my own God, then the idea that the pastor says you need to go before God with all your junk and all your stuff and be honest with Him, like there ain't no way, man, because the God that I know is going to nuke me. But we have to trust in this book. Not in what our friends say, not in what our fears say, not in what the enemy says, but in this. And what this says, it says if we confess our sins, He is faithful and just to forgive us our sins and purify us from unrighteousness. Yeah, but Dave, there's no yeah, but Dave's in that one. If God can forgive and call a man who slept with a married woman, killed her husband, and took everything that that guy owned that was rightfully his, and call him a man after his own heart, he can forgive us. He can forgive you and I. But it requires a level of honesty, man. It requires not only humility and, and, and personal responsibility, but it requires honesty. How many parents do we have in the room? Remember the first time your kid lied to you? It was like, oh. And it was the lamest lie in the world. This is not teenage lies where they've had 13 years to refine their ability to deceive. Right? This is like, Two and three. Hey, did you blow up the front room when you ask your kid who's holding the fuse on the dynamite for the next day? Like, no. <laughs> no, I didn't do that. You know me, Papa. <laughs> yes, actually, I do know you, son. <laughs> it requires a level of honesty. As believers in Jesus, we're sons and daughters of God himself. As sons and daughters of God himself, the New Testament says that we're his kids and he's our dad. Yes. Because we're his kids and he's our dad, there's nothing that we're going to say that's like, man, dude, I wasn't aware of that one. And I know you, we, we know that we play with that words, but, but there is a reality and a, and a consistency and a comfort that knows that God already knows our stuff. 
there, there's nothing that we can bring to him that's like, eh, that's, that's it, that you're done. I'm done with you. I, I can't deal with that one. You're, no, too much. Understand that he made one of his disciples, the one that would carry the gospel further than anybody, was the same dude that held the coat when other people were stoning him. He was a murderer. And yet he forgives him. You see, the word says that Jesus' blood covers all of our sins. So why would we want to carry the weight of everything that we have done around us in life because we don't believe that what God says is true? Why would we want to walk around with 50 pounds of guilt and shame and condemnation in our life when God says, just bring it to me. Allow yourself to be broken. Be hurt because of the things that you have done in my life and then let me set you free from that. Not to condemn you, but so that you can enjoy life as it was meant to be lived. It's wearying to live a life apart from what God has planned. It's just hard, man. It's like we, many of us are like the prodigal son who make the choice to go, heck with it, I'm gone. And yet, in the midst of that, we, re, we, don't, we at times don't picture the fact that that weight kills us here. And a lot of the burden that we carry around here is not burden from life. It's a burden from living a secret life when God just invites us to, hey, just be you and let me take all that junk from you so that you can experience life like I have intended you to have. There's the world and then there's Christianity. There's temporary fun meant to contain restrict and trap and then there's eternal joy and fun that is meant to be lived and enjoyed filled with laughter filled with joy filled with freedom that looks good but stinks this is filled with liberty you just have to believe this man and so this week Can we go before God with a broken heart and go, man, I am, I am sorry. <coughs> Not avoiding the pain that that will bring. Because it hurts. It hurts to be honest before God. I know that. I know that. Your pastor knows that. But on the other side of the pain is a freedom that is unparalleled in its existence, that cannot be matched by anything that little thing has to offer, that is filled with a future that is bright, that allows me to walk around with, without the weight of guilt and shame, that does not come from Christ anyways, but comes from the world seeking to destroy you. God meant for you to be free. God meant for us as a church to be free. So sacrifice your reputation and go before Him. One last thing and then we'll close. This is not a word about 
spilling your guts to everybody that breathes. Don't do that. Okay, everybody hear that one? Everybody say, don't do that. That's a big mistake. Don't puke in front of the world because the world will hang you. But God has brought you a couple of dear friends that you can trust. Find them. Have them pray for you. And God himself, Father in heaven, Dad, who has adopted us as sons and daughters, invites us on a journey of clarity and purity. Not to rob us of life, but to give it like it is meant to be lived. So if you want to define your purpose, if you want to discover all that God has for you, Allow yourself to be broken by the Holy Spirit so that you can be made whole. It's counterintuitive, but it promises freedom. Let's stand.